I found out that we were leaving over $50 per customer per month on the table. And for our business, that meant that we were missing out on $105,000 every single month. Welcome to the Post Purchase Pro Podcast. This is the only podcast that dives deep into post-purchase marketing to help Amazon sellers increase sales, ranking, reviews, and profits. It's everything that happens after the initial sale that makes a difference. We call this the back end. This is the Post-Purchase Pro Podcast, episode 12. All right, guys. The episode 12 is the one I've been looking for of the Post-Purchase Pro Podcast. We're going to be talking about testing prices why it's so critical, and how most of the time you can get away with charging a lot more uh, for your products and your services and doing a better job of providing an amazing product experience for your customers so everybody wins, you make more money, and your customer actually has a better um, experience. Sean, let's jump into this. Yeah, for sure. Welcome to episode 12, Pricing Your Product for Success. Now, the reason I say pricing your product for success doesn't necessarily mean that you're not already successful. All I want to do is kind of tickle that area of your brain that makes you believe that you possibly priced your product correctly right out of the gate. We often make this mistake because what happens is we fall into the trap, Seth, of where we think that we are our own customer. We think that in my area, my corner of the world, and in my opinion, this widget should be priced for X based on the value that I put into that product. But Seth, we always like to fall back on the whole scenario of it's not your job to answer the question, Seth. It's your job to ask the question. So it is imperative to the success and the long-term growth of your business to make sure that you're pricing in what we call that sweet spot. So I asked Seth one time, I said, Seth, how do you know how to price a product? And Seth said, listen, Dan Kennedy said it best. How to price your product is the maximum price that you can say out loud without cracking a smile. Like I just did there, Seth. And <laughs> how, how does that ring true in your experience? I mean, when you find out later on that you're selling a product that you've been selling for years, and leaving over $50 per customer per month on the table, how does that make you feel as a business person? And Seth, you're not the average Joe. You're a brilliant marketer, a brilliant businessman. You've had years of success, both on Amazon and off. How do you feel when you look back and say, my God, I left over $100,000 per month on the table by not having an optimized price? Well, first of all, Sean, don't don't go uh, so far as to lump me in with those brilliant people. Um, I, I don't think I would uh, classify myself in that way. So, but thank you for saying I was those just words. Just testing you. Just want to see how <laughs> humble you really were. Yep. Hey, serve me up some humble pie here. Hey, so Sean, I think that the the big problem is, especially when you can launch a product so easily um, on Amazon or e-commerce. Um, you can jump into a price so easily just based on what you see in the marketplace or what you think in your mind something's worse, worth, and that's the worst thing to do. So you become biased to what's working. So this happened to me, um, and I have this vivid memory that you're recalling, Sean, of when we discovered that we were charging 
$50 too little for a product. And I'll tell you why we knew it was too little in a second. But basically, when you set a price on Amazon and it starts to sell, then what happens? Well, you think, well, maybe that was the perfect price. Um, it's working. I am making sales. I, I better not touch it. And you can fall into that for a long time. Um, so this product that we were selling, we were actually selling it for about $20. So $19.99 was our price. And we sold it okay. It was an okay product, but it was an electronic product. It was actually a hearing amplifier. You know, you would put this on your ear and you could hear a little bit better while you're watching TV if you if you had a little bit of a, a hearing loss problem or whatever. It wasn't a medical device, it was just a hearing amplifier that people would use to help them, you know, answer the phone or watch TV or whatever. But we're charging 19 bucks. And it was okay, like I said, maybe making 10, 15 sales a day. And we're paying $5 for the actual product. So it was a pretty good business. But some, for some reason, we started to, to run low on stock. Maybe it was a supply chain issue or whatever. And we said, you know, we're going to run out of uh, stock on this product. And we decided to raise our price. And we raised it to 29 and it started selling even faster. So we said, oh, shoot, we better raise it even more. And this was back in the days when you could raise your price by huge amounts on Amazon. And they wouldn't limit you. Um, you you didn't have to do it slowly. You could just raise your price as big as you wanted, as fast as you wanted. Um, so we went from $19.99 to $29.99 to $39.99, and it sells even faster. And we're thinking, oh gosh, either you know we're onto something big here. What, what's going on? Um, eventually, we get to $59.99. It's going even faster. We ended up selling out at $79.99, and it sold the fastest at that price. And so. Um, we did stock out, but a couple things happened there. We figured out that our product was much more valuable to our customers at a higher price. They wanted to pay more because in their minds, when they paid more, they got more. Sean, that means that we were missing out on tons and tons of profit um, the years prior. I found out that we were leaving $50 per customer per month on the table for our business we were missing out on an extra $105,000 every single month. Now, that makes me a little sick, but it makes me even um, more excited for what we can do now because we know, we've seen the possibility in our businesses, and I know that we can charge more in most cases. The only exception is, or actually, here's the thing that you don't want to do. You don't want to be competing on price in a commodity market where every offer is the same. And sometimes you actually gain an advantage in sales like we did because by changing the, the price point that you're selling at, you actually decommoditize the product in your customers' minds. You, you take it from, oh, this is just an ordinary product to what's going on here? Why is it special? Why are they charging so much? much? It must be amazing. Sean, what do you think about that? I task you with asking the question to test. Always trust that you made the right decisions, but test, trust, but test. What are the chances that out of the gate, you priced your product at the quote unquote sweet spot right from the get-go? The chances are slim to none because most of us will price our product based on what we already see in the marketplace. Or worse, like my father, he prices the product based on what he paid for it. The better price he gets from a supplier, the better price he passes on. He wants to what he calls keystone is money. Not sure if you understand that term, but it basically means double. To keystone means to double what you paid for. And that's great in my father's world. 
but I like a triple or quadruple key, and it's not predicated on how much you paid. Why is it, Seth, that we constantly test and question whether we're getting the best price from our supplier, but we hardly ever question whether we're selling it for an optimized price to the buyer? You may think that you're doing your buyer a great service by offering the absolute best price, but maybe you're alienating those premium shoppers, those people people that we like to talk about who will only settle for the best. I don't care if it's steaks in Las Vegas. Remember the story I told you of Seth? I was hanging out with some friends in Vegas in my 20s. And one guy says, hey, let's all pack up and go down to the, the Horseshoe Casino. Like, why in the heck would we want to leave Caesars and go down to the Horseshoe? <laughs> and my friend Paul, he goes, well, simple. They have a, a steak down there that we can get a T-bone steak for just $1.49. Now, obviously, Paul, he's a cheaple people. I was more of a preple people. And I'm thinking to myself, Sean, do I really want to know what a $1.49 steak tastes like? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely mm -hmm. not. Now, if you're selling steak to cheaple people, great. But I would much rather, especially being in Vegas, you know, I'd much rather pay for a, a $99 steak. Because even if it came from the same cut, from the same farm, from the same cow, by the same butcher, it's going to taste a lot better to me, you know, because it's a it's an 80 or $100 steak versus a $1.49 steak. So you may believe that your customers are price sensitive, and maybe they are. Trust that you know what you're doing, but don't ever be afraid to test. Why is it, like I said, why, Seth, do we always question whether our suppliers are giving him the best price, but we hardly ever question whether we're selling at an optimized price. I spent two years, my friend, two years selling Oriental area rugs. I paid $19 in Georgia. Now I was a teenager, but I sold the rugs for $50 and I sold them good and I made a lot of money. But only after I started experimenting with the price did I realize that if I were to price the rug for $150, $150, yeah, I could still sell it for $50, but my average order value went to $85 versus $50. Think about what that could mean for your business, Seth. Yeah, Sean, and I think um, one of the things that always rings true is that the more a customer pays, the more emotionally invested that they are. So they automatically want to like your product more. So that's why if you've ever heard of, you know, raise your prices and you'll have less customer service issues. Well, it is true, um, not only because you, you attract a different type of customer, but also because those customers are interacting with you in a different way, um, emotionally. So one of the things that, that we like to do now, Sean, is raise our price not only so we can make more money, but because we make more money, we can actually provide a better experience for the customer. Do you think that Apple could produce a, a quality, the same quality of phone if they tried to charge $50 as they do charging a thousand? Well, they just wouldn't have as much resource um, to hire better talent, to create a better product um, and reinvest in their business. So Yes, you want to get paid, but you also need money left in the business to reinvest in your business so you can give your customers and your future customers a, a better experience. And that's where you get some of the synergies that 
um, you know, start playing on themselves once you can start making some good money. So, Sean, how have you seen that played out, play out in our businesses where if we would have charged the cheapest amount in the marketplace, um, we just couldn't have done a very good job? Well, you know, here's one thing I know for sure. I have a few more years experience than you, Seth. And what I've noticed is that there are certain barriers, certain pressures on pricing that only exist at separate levels or different levels. Let me give you an example. Let's say, for example, you were selling an oriental rug, an area rug like I used to sell. All right. Let's say that you're pricing this at $50. Well, what I've found is, is that you really don't reach any pricing pressure or the next barrier of pricing until you get up around $90. Once you get over $90 and you've proven that's okay, you might not see any more pressure until you get to $150. So why on earth would I want to sell rugs all day long at $50 when I know that there's absolutely no more pressure until I get to $89, or in my case, $85? It's ridiculous. You're not doing yourself any favor. You're not doing the customers any favor. So there are some psychological barriers in pricing that only exist at certain levels. What I'm saying is, if I'm selling a product for $150, if I, if I price the exact same product for $151, I'm not seeing any pressure. There's no pushback from the market until I get to the next level. And for me, that level was $279. Yes, that means there was, what is that, $139 difference? between 150 and 179 before I seen any fall off or any extra pressure on the price, don't sell yourself short. We've done it time and time again, and we made a lot of mistakes. One of the reasons why we started this podcast to help Amazon sellers with post-purchase marketing, we want you to squeeze every ounce of profit that you can from your business while continuing to deliver amazing value and amazing products to your customers. Remember, Seth, there's absolutely no advantage in being the second most expensive product in the market. There are some advantages to being the absolute cheapest, but who wants to sell at very slim margins? If you're going to be, if you're not going to be the cheapest, Seth, you might as well be the most expensive because what you're doing is you are drawing attention to your product as a premium product in a marketplace that might be flooded with tons of cheap products. Don't ever compete on price. What you want to do is position yourself where you can deliver more value and create a value proposition versus a price proposition. Seth? Yeah, and then we've seen it so many times, Sean, where by playing in the middle, and by by uh, playing in the middle, I mean like having a price that's in the middle of the range, uh, you really make your product disappear in terms of the customer's minds. Um, if you're scrolling through an Amazon search, for instance, and you see prices uh, between $20 and $40, and you are in the middle at $30, and your star rating is about the same as everybody else, and your pictures are about the same as everybody else, what's gonna differentiate you? Well, even if you do make a sale, you're not making as much as the $40 seller. So I have always advised, because of the experience in our business, if there's a product, if you're going to be at 30, you might as well be at 45 so you can get above the market range. You should be below market or above market. And we like being above market in most cases. There are certain instances with certain types of niches where you'll actually gain market share and gain ranking and do uh, more profit by lowering your price 
And so, you know, the point is what you said, Sean, is you have to test. You have to know whether it's better to go up or down. Um, in most cases, though, I like to go up before I go down. So if you just ask yourself, if I am selling my product, could it ever be reasonable that somebody would pay me $100 for my product? And if you could convince yourself that somebody would pay $100 for your product, then most likely you're not selling a commodity. So for instance, if you were selling a pizza cutter, most likely I'm not going to convince you to buy a $100 pizza cutter. But if I was selling you a pillow, depending on how you view that pillow, you might give me $100. Um, if I if I was offering you a pillow that was going to solve your neck pain and your neck was hurting, you might consider just going ahead and plunking down that $100. Um, <laughs> and then just just how you view that is, Sean, would you rather sleep on a $5 pillow or a $100 pillow? Well, <laughs> automatically, you're thinking that $5 pillow is full of sawdust um, or you know something <laughs> something unhealthy or very cheap. You're not going to get a good experience on a $5 oh, pillow. A $100 one sitting right beside it. <laughs> oh, Mike Lindell's so, going to be uh, giving you a call, buddy. I want the $100 pillow. In fact, I have a $200 pillow. I carried it around for 14 years because I loved it. I don't know why. I felt like it was so much more uh, quality than the other pillow. So, you life, Seth, would you rather, it's, it's quite possible, Seth, if you're selling a $50 pillow, if we're talking about pillows, and you're selling 100 units per month, if you raise the price to $100, you may only sell, you may fall off and only sell 75 units per month. But the growth in your profit margin, you know, what falls to the bottom line, which is all that really matters, is going to be substantial. Yes, you will see fall off in sales, but you have to find that so-called sweet spot where the fall off in sales does not counterbalance the, the, the additional revenue and profits that you're seeing in your business. You know, so Seth asked me before, actually recently, Seth, he said, would you rather sell X amount for 500 a month or would you rather sell X for a thousand per month, even though your refunds are going to go up slightly and your <laughs> your cost of delivery is going to go down. So your profit's going to go up. I mean, uh, spell that out, that ratio, Seth, that mental math, if you will, when it comes to adjusting price. Well, I think. I think what you're getting at is really important. Um, you know, as you raise your price, depending on your market, you're most likely, unless you're in a really um, unique market, kind of like our hearing amplifier example earlier, most likely your sales are going to come down a little bit. But if you can raise your price by 2x or 3x, typically you're not going to have a two or three times um, fall off in sales. So you make more money. And even if, Sean, you uh, raise your price from 50 to 100 and you lost half of your sales, you would still make more money because right. your margin is so much higher. You have less fulfillment per unit. You have less cost per unit. Um, there are less customers to deal with. So you have less customer service. You have less returns to handle. So you just have lower costs all the way around by dealing with fewer customers at a higher profit margin. So all else being equal, if you could maintain your ranking, maintain your sales, um, you would be better off to sell less units at a higher profit margin um, than sell more units at a lower profit margin. Um, like I said, in some cases, though, you got to play to the velocity, uh, depending on your market. But and let's talk you about less money, Seth, for inventory if you do it uh, your way. I mean, yeah. what is your, your cash your on cash here? Return gets better, right? Because it takes less money to operate the business and fund the business. 
So financially, that business is way stronger because, like you said, your cash flow position is greatly improved. That's one of the big hindrances when you're growing an Amazon business is how am I going to fund the growth? Because I need more inventory to create more profit. But if you can charge more, you need less cash to create more profit. And now your business becomes uh, much different than the marketplace. And you can actually do things that other sellers aren't able to because you just have a much stronger um, financial position. You have less cash going in and you have more cash coming back. So it becomes stronger in both ways. Um, logistically, Sean, let's talk about how you would actually split test this on Amazon today with the, sure. there's a lot of, um, you know, kind of uh, regulations around how Amazon allows you to test prices. Now you have to go up very slowly, um, unless your product's brand new. So a couple things to think about in the wild west days of 2014, you could raise your price from $5 to $200 back down to $50 all in the same day. No repercussions, basically. But now Amazon says, if you gain a market position at $5, there's no way I'm going to let you get to the number one ranking position and then jack your prices up to $30 and be in that spot and um, basically deceive the customers. So they don't allow you to bounce around that much. What they do is they, they rank you based on your price range that you ranked in. So for instance, if you were selling at $5 and you raised your price to 10 you might instantly fall back a page or two until Amazon can uh, give you credibility at the new price point. So it might take you several days or weeks to go um, back to the position, you know, conversion-wise and ranking-wise that you were at ten or at five dollars at ten dollars. So you have to be a little careful when you are changing your price. So never change your price more than ten percent at a time. And when you do change the price, just make sure that you check your rankings. Um, within uh, a half an hour or so and make sure that everything has been stay, um, that is staying the same. So for instance, what I mean by that is if you change your price by 10%, go and check where you're showing up for all of your important search terms in about 30 minutes and make sure you're still at where you were. If you are not, go back to your original price and then try again. Wait till it readjusts and moves you back to your spots um, search term wise that you were and then you can test a smaller percentage move. If you are able to move your price 10%, then just stay there and you want to give yourself some time to evaluate it. So give yourself a week and see how you do at that price point. The best way to do it is when you're launching a new product and you would actually make two ASINs. So you have two different product listings. You would start them off. Your pricing um, restrictions in Amazon are, is based on where your price starts off when you first launch your listing. So you would create two listings of the same product marketed slightly different so you can actually call it a different product, use two different UPCs, launch them at the same time at different price points and see which one does better. That would be the best way to do it in today's world. Um, otherwise, you have to move your price pretty slowly. But I would say this, um, don't get discouraged if your price, the prices in your market are 20 to $30 and you go from 20 to 21 and your sales don't really change or go down a little bit. Keep going up slowly over time because as you get closer to 30, now you change psychologically in the customer's mind from a, you know, a lower price product to a higher price product because you're getting closer to that, that top end of the range. So don't stop at 10% just because Amazon restricts you. Wait the few weeks that it requires to season that new price and then keep going up. Don't settle just because Amazon makes it harder. Sean? 
bottom line, guys, don't ever assume that you did it right the first time. Test and test frequently. Test often. Test your assumptions and only let the data, let the science speak for you, Seth. I 1,000% agree, Sean. You have to read that data. Guys, this has been episode 12 of the Post Purchase Pro podcast. I have been your host today, Seth Stevens, along with my trusty co-host, Mr. Sean Hart. Please, guys, if you like what you're hearing here, if this is valuable, go ahead and hit the subscribe button so you'll hear from us next week. Share the podcast to anybody that you know this would be valuable for. And also, this is a big ask on our part. Leave us a review, good or bad. We want to hear your thoughts, and it also helps us reach more entrepreneurs like you. Thank you, guys, and see you on the next episode. See you, guys.